Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, January the 26th, 2024. It is currently 9.59 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, because I have a microphone, because I have a platform, anytime I stumble upon something that I think could be useful and beneficial to you, I like to come on the air and I like to like, hey, everyone, go check this out. Go look this up. Do this. Use this. Because there's so many resources out there that it's hard to keep up with everything. I may stumble upon a resource that you never will find, and you may stumble upon a resource that I will never find. So I love when people send me an email. Hey, have you seen this? Have you looked at this? Have you checked this out? Did you know this was out there because I'll be like, oh, wow. And then I will go benefit from it. And hopefully when I turn on the microphone and I'm like, hey, guys, go check this out. Download this. Go to this website. Look at this book. Get this study guide. Look at this devotional. Whenever I can point you to certain things that maybe you've never heard of, hopefully you are appreciative of it and you benefit greatly from it. And so I'm hoping you're going to benefit what I'm about to point you to. But before we get to that, before we get get to this resource that I discovered, before we even consider in what ways this could be beneficial, I want to bring up kind of a hermeneutical issue. In fact, I want to use this resource almost as a hermeneutical exercise. I know sometimes we do Bible study exercises. This could be used as a Bible study exercise, but I'm going to use this more as a hermeneutical exercise, all right? Because there is an approach to Scripture that I think is very common in preaching. In fact, I think the pulpit is somewhat responsible for this. And I think many cases, the way the pulp the pulpit uses Scripture, really it's it's hermeneutically incorrect. And I know that's a big statement, but so many times when pastors look at a scripture, they think, how do I turn this into a sermon? How can I preach this? Where the emphasis typically becomes application, 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 application. So let's say they're in the New Testament. Maybe they're reading a story about David and Goliath, right? Okay, here's a story about David and Goliath. Next thing you know, you've got to turn that into a sermon, right? It's going to turn into a sermon. So it turns into what are the smooth stones that we can put in our slingshot to bring down the giants in our life? And like, wait a minute, I don't, is that passage to be applicable about so-called giants in my life that I take out with my spiritual slingshot. And here are the spiritual smooth stones that I, I don't think that story has anything to do with that, right? If, if it's talking about Israel doing this or doing that, it turns into a story about you and a story about me because you've got to preach it. So sermons typically are application, application, application. In many cases, it's application at the expense of interpretation. It's, it's, it's application at the expense of hermeneutics. Like, I've got to preach a sermon. Okay, what's our text today? Our text is this. It'll be about Abraham. Or it'll be about Joseph. It'll be about Jacob. It could be about Esau. It could be about anyone in the Old Testament. It could be about one of the kings. It could be about David. It could be about Solomon. It could be about Saul. And the next thing you know, though, they're just simply there to give us points in our sermon. And they were like, okay, here today, here's the three or four points you're to take away and apply to your life today. And then people will walk away going, that was such a good sermon. It was so practical. It gave me specific things. You make the scripture seem so practical to me. Well, of course, (laughs) they're just taking the story and making it about you and just taking and, 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 and many people eat that preaching up. They love it, but no one ever stops me. Well, wait a minute. Is that really what the story is about? Is that really, is that even an application for me? Does this have anything to do with me? Are we sure we're applying this correctly? And you're not supposed to ask that question because that could destroy all the sermons. Okay. That could destroy the entire Christian publishing world, right? The entire Christian publishing industrial complex would be destroyed because you have to have Christian authors who open the Bible 
And like, what five principles can I get from this passage about how to be a good husband, to be a good wife, good this, good that, good that. Here's three steps, four steps, five steps, these principles, these principles. We, we love those kinds of sermons. Now, many of the pastors will, and I think in some cases they kind of just give it lip service. Here's the historical context. and They'll throw in something interesting about the geography. They'll throw in something about maybe the people and, and you'll go, ooh, that's good information. Ooh, this pastor's really smart, right? But he just kind of throws that out. He may have grabbed it from a Bible dictionary, grabbed it from a commentary. He sounds really smart. He sounds like he really knows the geography, but he just really just took it from something else. He's just memorized it and he says it like he took it, like he figured this out. All right. And then it's all about, here's the three points. Here's the four points. Now I know to call to question that I'm bumping into some golden calves because that's the way church literally works. Now, why am I bringing all of that up? Because let me, in fact, let me open my email. Let me open my email inbox here at 718 p.m. Central Time, January the 26th, 2024, tonight. So just a few hours ago, I received an email and it says special offer, limited time only. I'm like, okay, wow. Special offer. Dr. David Baker so doctor, so I get an email at 7.18 p.m., January the 26th, 2024, special offer, limited time offer from Dr. David Baker. And I'm like, Dr. David Baker, I think he is from independent, uh, what, what is it? in fact, independent Baptist online college, independent Baptist online college. Now I have looked at independent Baptist online college because anytime there's any school anywhere that I could poss- possibly take courses from, I always look it up and I'm like, I've always been wanting to, to, to purchase some of the courses. And I think they've got one on Leviticus and I'm like, Ooh, I want to take some of these. So, but I've never just gotten around to it because you know, it takes money. It takes money. Everything requires money. Right? So I'm like, well, maybe if I get some extra money, maybe I'll do that. But then I got some extra money and then I end up doing it for something. So, but if I get the money, I may take some courses. Because I'm always, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm forever a student. So I will, anytime I see a school that I can possibly take courses from, I'm there. I'm, I'm always there. That's why I've gone to so many schools because I love learning. I don't really care so much about the piece of paper that I earn at the end. I don't care about the diplomas. I don't care how many, dipl- I can tell you the degrees. I, it does, none of that matters because it's about the learning. It's not about the piece of paper. So as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, let me look at this because most likely if this is Dr. David Baker Baker from Independent Baptist Online College and he sent an email and it says special limited time only, then most likely this is they've got a big discount on one of their courses. And I'm like, oh, let me see how big of a discount, what course it is, because maybe I'll sign up for it. So I looked at the email and it says quotes from... January's gift. I'm like, January's gift. And then it says, moving forward, lessons from Deuteronomy 1. I'm like, ooh, this looks good. So so they're, they're, they're going to give us a gift in January. It's called moving forward, lessons from Deuteronomy 1. And I'm like, ooh, okay. So is this get like kind of like a mini course on Deuteronomy chapter 1? Hmm, that could be interesting. And then I started thinking, huh. If they're, if they're offering this as some kind of a gift, oh, I bet you this is going to be a good example of what I'm talking about. This is going to be application, application versus, you know, interpretation. But let me continue to read. So lessons from, from Deuteronomy 1, then underneath that, it says, no one should be exempt from pursuing justice and everyone should have equal access to a fair and impartial judicial process. Like, is that from Deuteronomy chapter one? All right. Then it says, uh, then it gives the web address, ibaptistcollege.org. The letter I for independent, Baptist College, all run together, ibaptistcollege.org. ibaptistcollege.org. That's the website. And then underneath that, it says, are you ready to embark on an exciting journey through Deuteronomy chapter one? 
take advantage of this incredible opportunity to get your free copy of Moving Forward, a comprehensive 13-part study that will inspire and guide you in your Christian walk. And moving forward, you'll discover the profound lessons of Deuteronomy chapter 1, exemplified by Moses leading the children of Israel towards the promised land. The study is written to encourage and assist Christians in facing the challenges and trials of their spiritual walk. But hurry, this offer is only available through Sunday, February the 4th. Don't let this chance slip away. Get your free copy of Moving Forward today and take a vital step towards a deeper understanding and a more fulfilling Christian life. Claim your free copy now and move forward in 2024. Now, this fits perfectly with what we talked about last night. We talked about experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ, famous book written in the 1600s by Madame Jean Guyon. And we talked about this famous book and this idea of this a deeper experience, a, experiencing the, the depths of Jesus Christ, going deeper in, in our Christian faith. And we, and we talked about, and I talked about that whole concept of going deeper, going deeper. And I said that Christianity is built on this concept. That that's how we market everything. Well, look right here. How is it marketed? But hurry, this offer is only available through January, Sunday, February the 4th. Don't let this chance slip away. Get your free copy of Moving Forward today and take a vital step towards a deeper understanding and a more fulfilling Christian life, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ, going deeper, 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 a deeper walk, a deeper understanding, a deeper, a a, a deeper level of spiritual growth. Christianity, that we sell everything with that. And here's an example. I just talked about it last night. Here's an example of it. So I looked at the website. I'm like, well, where, how do I claim my free copy? I want my free copy. How do I get this? I want my free copy. So I went to ibaptistcollege.org. And as soon as I got there, this little box popped up that said, January gift from IBOC. 13 lessons in Deuteronomy. Your first name and your email. So I did that. Boom. Hit download. Then I waited. Took about five, 10 minutes. Showed up in my email inbox. And it had a link. And guess what? I downloaded 34 pages, 13 lessons from Deuteronomy chapter one from Independent Baptist Online College, 2024, moving forward. Now, I would challenge you right now, while you're listening to me, if you're listening to me live, or even if you're listening to me on demand, go to I, that's the letter I, Baptist College, all run together, dot O-R-G, and download the study for yourself. It's free. Let's not waste this opportunity. Let's use it. Now, what I want you to do, and we're going to walk through a little bit of this, and maybe you'll hear me doing some things with this over the next couple of weeks. And I know we, we have the lectionary we're doing, and I know we're doing the, the uh, Sermons 2.0 app challenge, and we're going to make this work with the Sermons 2.0 app challenge. You, you already know where this is headed. Maybe we'll use it for the Bible pop quiz. So this will show up in a number of, of places, but, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to download this 13 lessons on Deuteronomy chapter one. And as you look at these lessons and read these lessons and follow along in your Bible with a notebook, I want you to ask yourself, is this application at the expense of interpretation? Now, if I scroll past the the title page, then it says chapter one, the danger of not moving forward, the danger of not moving forward Underneath that, there's a quote from Deuteronomy. We have dwelt long enough in this mount. Now, immediately, I'm getting the vibes that this is like application. This is how sermons typically are put together, right? Oh, okay. 
hey, we've dwelt too long at this mount. Now Israel needs to move forward. And now this is going to turn into application that, hey, you've been dwelling where you have for too long. It's time to move forward in your Christian life. But is Deuteronomy giving us a move forward mandate in your Christian life? I don't know if we can say that. Is that application at the expense of interpretation? Then it says text, Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through six. Well, let me read Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through six. Here we go. These be the words. This is Deuteronomy chapter one, verse one, reading from the King James. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side, Jordan and the wilderness and the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. These, uh, there are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. Now, immediately when I read that, it's giving me clearly first the words. These are the words which Moses spake. So Moses is the one speaking. He speaks them unto Israel. So we have the one who, we have the, we'll call it the author of the message. We'll call, we'll call the speaker. The speaker is Moses. The audience is Israel. And then we have a little bit of the kind of the geographical area, right? It's on this side of the Jordan and the wilderness and the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dezahab. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. All right. So we get, we get a little time step, but immediately note, these are words to Israel. Now, as a good Bible student, you should ask yourself, okay, these are words to Israel. Now, can I just reach into these words that are to Israel? That's in a specific, given at a specific time and a very specific place and a specific setting. And can I reach in and then turn these into, you know, 13 steps and how to move forward in your Christian life. Are they that, are they applicable for that? It preaches good, but is that a correct use of the scripture? Is that application at the expense of of interpretation? Verse three, and it came to pass in the 40th year and the 11th month on the first day of the month that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord had given him and commandment unto them. So God has given the commandment specifically to Moses. Moses is now going to pass this on to the people. What people? Israel, Israel. I don't know if this has anything to do with you going into 2024. Now, to preach it, I could take this and preach some great sermons from it, probably, right? I could probably make them convicting. I could probably add a little bit of information about these area, this area. I could, I could, I could really, it wouldn't take a lot of work, right? I could do a little bit of work, make it sound really good and preach a great sermon. People are like, oh, that was a great sermon. The problem is a great sermon sometimes has nothing to do with the actual text. Let me continue reading. After, so after he had slain Shion, Shihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt at Ashtaroth and uh, uh, Edurai. On this side, Jordan and the land of Moab began Moses to declare this law saying, all right, so it gives you some, some context, some other things that have happened. We could explore that. We could look at who these people are. Do we know anything about what actually happened? Do we have any record of this? We, we could get a little bit of information here, right? We could explore this, but let's, let's continue reading. Uh, the Lord your God spake unto us in Horeb saying, you have dwelt long enough in this mount. Now there's the key verse they want for this lesson. Hey, you've been here long enough. It's time to move. Now, is that a message to you? And is that a message to me? Can you apply that? Can you just take that going? I know this was spoken to Israel. I know it's a specific situation, specific setting. It gives you the setting, these different things that have happened. There was that there, there had been a killing of someone. We've got a geographical. Do we take all of that and go, okay, I know, but, but wait, 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 wait. This, God is using this to tell me that I've been here long enough and I need to move forward. A lot of people do that kind of weird thing with the Bible. Now, what are they going to do in this course? Well, here we go. All right. Um, 
a peril exists that quietly infiltrates the hearts of many churches and believers. It is the danger of succumbing to the allure of comfort within our present circumstances, which in turn impedes our progress and the work of God. All right, so now let's listen to this. Now, now this is a good quote. We could take this quote. Now, if this was being preached as a sermon, a lot of people would write that first sentence down because if you're a good preacher, you may repeat that first sentence about five times. There's a peril. There's a danger that quietly infiltrates the hearts of many churches and believers. It is the danger of succumbing to the allure of comfort within our present circumstances, which in turn impedes our progress and the work of God. Now, that's making a very dogmatic assertion. And you can ask yourself, is there a danger where you can become so comfortable, so comfortable in your present circumstance that it impedes your progress in the work of God? In other words, because you're so comfortable in your current circumstance, well, you, the work of God suffers from it. Is that a, is that a danger? Is that a, is that a, is that a possible problem? Now, even if you say that, yes, that's a possible problem, it's a possible danger, is Deuteronomy the answer to that problem? Is Deuteronomy have anything to do with that? Now, the study goes on to say, and again, I want you to go download this. I want you to read it for yourself. They, they go on and say this. This phenomenon finds its roots in the story of the children of Israel who spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness due to their reluctance to advance into the promised land. Throughout history, there have been instances where churches and individual Christians have forsaken God's richest blessings because they refuse to take a step forward. In the wake of this new year, our mission is to advance and seize the territory that God has designated for us. Now, wait a minute. Wait. Where are they getting this idea from? They're taking it. They're taking this entire story of Moses and Israel and land and territory. And I hate to say it, even though they would deny this, they're turning it into an allegory. They're turning it into an allegory. Now, I know they would deny that. They would say, no, we're taking it literal. But you're turning this story and now it's about us. Hey, hey, the, we, we have this territory to take. We have this blessing to gain. And we can't be like Israel and, and refuse to go in. And, and this is how sermons are, are, are constructed over and over and over. You take these biblical stories and you're like, I'm going to apply this. I got to apply it to the people. I need these principles. So here, what's the principle? Hey, God has a territory, a land, a blessing, a, a deeper spiritual experience. But sometimes we're afraid to go in because there's giants in the land. And those giants can scare us. What are the giants keeping you from moving forward with God? And then you can just, you, I mean, it, 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 it's so perfect to create sermons. But does that have anything to do at all with us? Is that application at the expense of interpretation? Is it a sermon, not a study of the scriptures? They go on to say this, as God's people, we are entrusted with the responsibility to reach our immediate community and extend our influence to the broader regions, much like the apostles mandate to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In this series, we aim to shatter the bonds of complacency and face the future of our church without fear. Today's lessons marks the beginning of our journey towards moving forward in this new year. To gain insight, let us examine the conditions where the Israelites found themselves at that critical juncture. So see, they want to draw a parallel. Hey, we're supposed to move forward in a new year. It's a new year. We need to move forward. Just as like Israel always need to move forward. But let's see, as they say here, we need to examine the conditions where Israel found themselves. 
So we're going to look at the conditions of Israel, and they're going to try to draw a parallel to our conditions. Now, look, I know, I know this way of teaching and preaching. I, I, I was. This is what I thought I was supposed to do all of the years, and and, and I, I I did it really well. I mean, there was a there was a. I know this is hard to believe. I know this is going to be hard to believe. There was a time that people thought I was a great preacher. Oh, they loved my sermons. They loved my preaching. They loved it. And then I made a big mistake. I decided that I'm sick of sermons. And I'm going to get rid of the sermon, that entire structure, burn it to the ground, and then build in its place a study of the text. I work on the text. I don't care about nice little three, four point points of practical application. I want you to know the text and we're going to look at the text and struggle with what the text says. And we're not going to worry if we have three or four points of application. I don't care. I'm not going to give you a sermon. I'm going to say, come to the church, grab a Bible and a notebook and a Bible dictionary and a interlinear, and we're going to figure this out. We're going to work through it. And guess what? People don't like that. So I know this. I know how to do this because this is how I developed so many of my sermons early on in my ministry. You're like, oh, what are we preaching on? Oh, oh, oh we're going to look at this text. Okay, I got to turn it. How do I turn this into something about us? Forget Israel. Forget Moses. Forget them. They're only there so that we can get to me. We can get to you and I got to make it practical. I got to give you points. So here's what they're going to do in the first lesson. Number one, no longer in Egypt. When Moses addressed the people, they had transitioned from the bondage of Egypt to the vast wilderness. They had been delivered from the oppressive Egyptians 40 years prior and had miraculously crossed the Red Sea. Yet for, yet for four decades, they meandered through, throughout the, through the unforgiving terrain. There were times when sustenance and water were scarce, but God unfailingly provided for them. Even when God's people hesitated, his faithfulness remained steadfast. In our lives, we must reflect on the unwavering faithfulness of God since the day we embraced Christianity and we were freed from the shackles of sin. All right, so now you see how this is going to turn into a picture, right? We, we were in Egypt, but we God has set us free from Egypt. Now, we've been wandering around in the wilderness for years and times we have been faithful and times we've been unfaithful, but God has always remained faithful. I mean, we've been set free from the shackles of sin. Well, wait a minute. Was Israel set, set free from the shackles of sin? Because, well, they kept sinning. And are you set free from the shackles of sin? Because you keep sinning. When you say I'm set free from the shackles of sin, what exactly do you mean? See, but you're not supposed to ask these kinds of questions in preaching. You're just supposed to say, you were in Egypt, but God has set you free and you've been, you've been wandering in the wilderness. Praise God. And God has met your needs. Yay. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And everybody's like, yay. What a great sermon. But we're not going to address any of the issues here, right? Is Egypt? Can we say that that's a picture of us? Can we say Israel's 40 years of wandering around is a picture of us? Now, remember, they wandered around for 40 years because of sin, because of unbelief, because of rebellion. But yet God remained faithful. But why did he remain faithful to Israel? Because he made a covenant with Israel. But that, okay, all right, all right. But then we forget Israel and we make it about us. I know, I know. See, there's all kinds of hermeneutical and interpretive issues. But all right, all right. Number two. Not yet in the promised land. Their escape from Egypt was not intended to culminate in an indefinite sojourn in the wilderness. God's intention was for them to progress despite, uh, despite God leading them across the Red Sea into the wilderness. Their faith faltered when it came to believe that they could cross the Jordan and confront the formidable adversaries in Canaan. Recall the incident with the spies sent into Canaan who returned with a discouraging report. This lack of faith condemned the Israelites to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Similarly, numerous Christians 
Christians have been liberated from their past and the threat of eternal condemnation, struggled to trust God. Uh, uh, they struggle to trust God that God can grant them victory in their Christian journey. Churches and individual Christians stagnate because of the crisis of faith, doubting their capacity to cross the metaphorical Jordan and experience triumph in their lives. See, they're turning this all into an allegory all, all day. This is all, all and this is, this is so common in preaching. There's been a million sermons preached this way, and people eat it up. They love it. Is that what Deuteronomy 1 is really about? Is this supposed to be like, hey, you were in, you were in Egypt, you've been set free. But yet, and we're supposed to be going into Canaan, into the, to the victorious Christian life. Well, that's what a lot of people, some people say Canaan represents heaven, but like, no, you don't have to conquer giants to get into heaven. So no, this is the victorious Christian life. But sometimes we don't enter into the victorious Christian life, the deeper Christian life because of our unbelief. And so we wander around in 40 years and our Christian life is a, is just wandering around in circles and we never get to the deeper Christian life. So here's the secret. How do you go in? Well, you have to believe and you have to, and so they're just doing the same thing. Is that really what the story is even remotely supposed to be about? So number one, no longer in Egypt. Number two, not yet in the promised land. Number three, time to cross Jordan. Moses stood before the people in the wilderness on the first day of the 11th month of the 40th year, conveying God's commands. He wasn't imposing his own directives, but communicating God's divine instructions. We must discern that when pastors and teachers expound on God's word, that they are not expressing personal opinions, but acting as a messenger of God. Sometimes we dismiss this message because we fail to recognize the divine origin. When God's messenger delivers his message, our hearts ought to yield, not because it is from a human being, because it it emanates from God. Moses did not decide that they should occupy the land. He conveyed a divine directive from God. All right, so now basically they're drawing the correlation. As Moses delivered God's word, pastors delivered God's word, and as the people are to submit and obey what Moses said, you should obey and submit to what the pastor says because it's God's message. Well, the only problem with that is... (laughs) Who determines if it's God's message? Oh, the people listening determine if it's God's message. So is it really, it's not that the pastor has any authority, it's the people have the authority. And guess what? You can have 10 people listening to the same sermon and two people will say, I don't believe that, that's wrong. I'm going to go to another church. Well, then then the pastor really doesn't have any authority. And so then, okay. See, we're not going to address any of those issues because we don't deal with those issues. We just, we find these little points and we just make these great sounding points in a sermon. Everybody's like, amen, amen, amen. Victories in the wilderness. Here we go. The Israelites had already experienced triumphant victories against formidable foes in the wilderness. I think I said Shion the first time I read it. Sihon. In fact, let me go back to Deuteronomy chapter one. Yeah, Sihon. I think I said Shihon. No, it's Sy- Sihon, S-I-H-O-N. I apologize for that. When I'm reading it here, all of a sudden I notice I misread it uh, the first time, so I apologize. So let's go, to th- go through this again. The Israelites had already experienced triumphant victories against formidable foes in the wilderness. Sihon, the Amorite king, possessed a formidable and intimidating army. Humanly speaking, the Israelites were ill-equipped to overcome Sihon's forces, yet they achieved victory because the Lord was with them. This was the same victory Rahab alluded to when she encountered the spies in Canaan in Joshua chapter 2. Then they have Psalm 135 and Psalm 136 also commemorates these victories in the wilderness. Now, see, now to me, this is the fascinating part. If, if this victory that's mentioned briefly in Deuteronomy chapter 1, right? Because it's mentioned briefly here, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these verses again, all right? So in Deuteronomy 1 verse 4, after he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt at Ashtaroth and Ed-Rai, Ed, Ed on the side of uh, the side Jordan in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, "Now it says uh, my my study Bible here says Shihon, Sihon and Og were rulers of kingdoms, and Transjordan, which uh, whose defeat 
permitted Israel to occupy most of the region, which was later settled by the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and a part of Manasseh, Numbers chapter 32 and Joshua chapter 2. All right, and then it says the Amorites and unto all the places nigh unto, okay, they don't really go much into this uh, battle or anything here, but they mentioned... um, they mention a lot of information here. Now that's that's good stuff. That's the stuff I want to dig more into, right? That's that's good because now we're getting into history. We're getting into exactly what happened and how do we understand it. So to me, that's where I would spend my focus on here, right? I would focus on figuring out who all these people are, when the battle was, and are those references to this battle in these other places. They're basically saying uh, uh, Rahab alluded to this battle here about Sion's forces and being, you know, beaten, that she's referencing this in Joshua 2, 9 through 11. And then they say Psalm 135, 10 through 12, and Psalm 136, 17 through 19 also commemorates these victories in the wilderness. We need to look at all of those passages. But of course, they just move right past it and they go on to say this. Um. Often we reflect on their crossing of the Red Sea and the conquest of Canaan, but forget that God had already granted them significant triumphs during their wanderings. God remains our protector, even when we have faltered in obeying his commands. All right, so then what they want to say is we're wandering around in the wilderness, and we may be wandering around in the wilderness even because of our own sin, but God still will give us and grant us victories at specific times because God is faithful. Now, again, can you make that application to us, or is that specifically what God did for Israel because of covenant promises specifically with the nation of Israel? Then next, they have dwelling for too long. Moses emphasized to the people that they had remained in their current location for an extended period. They had far exceeded its purpose. Many Christians and churches find themselves in a similar predicament, with the same faces occupying the same pews. God calls us to recognize that we have lingered in one place for too long and to summon the courage to move forward and fulfill his purpose. The Israelites had been in the same location for too long due to disobedience, but the past must remain in the past. It is time to advance. So now, because they had been there too long, now supposedly we could, be, I guess, be in the in the same pew too long, meaning we need to move to a different church, or, or I guess a pastor could use this to say, I've been here too long, and it's time to me to move from this mount because God is calling me to a different church, and then peace out. I hope you all figure it out later. Okay, all right, never mind. See, I, I don't know if... See, this is the danger when you just grab verses like this and start trying to make applications. Are these verses about anything, dealing with anything that we're trying to connect them to? All right, then they offer... Okay, then they offer three... I guess three things to help us advance. All right, so here we go. Sacrifice and trust. Possessing the land involves sacrifice and trust. The Israelites had to leave behind the security of the wilderness and face the challenges of the promised land. And the same way, we must be willing to let go of the comforts of our past and step into the unknown with faith. Sacrifices may include relinquishing sinful habits, embracing a new level of commitment, and trusting in God's provision and protection. And it's important to recognize that God's promise of victory doesn't mean a life free from challenge or obstacles. Just as the Israelites had to confront enemies and endure hardships in the promised land, we too will face trials in our Christian journey. However, our trust in God's promises and guidance sustains us through these trials. We must remember that the same God who delivered us from the bondage of sin is the one who will lead us to victory. So you got to be willing to sacrifice and trust. If you're going to move forward, you have to be willing to sacrifice and trust. I, I don't know where that even comes into play here, but okay. Is that is that is that what this passage is showing us to do? I, I don't. Second, breaking free from stagnation. Stagnation can insigni- can significantly impede our spiritual growth. Just as Israel 
the Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness due to their disobedience and lack of faith. Churches and individuals can become stagnant when they fail to heed God's commands and embrace his plan for the future. To break free from stagnation, we must be willing to confront complacency, fear, and resistance to change. God's commands to t- God command God's command to take possession of the land is a call to move forward and embrace growth and transformation. And as a reminder that our past should not define our future. Instead, we should look to God's promises and purposes as our guiding light. Now, all of that sounds good. It sounds spiritual. It sounds powerful. And you can preach it and everyone will say amen. And, and if you're in, in some churches, they may even clap and people may leave church going, this is the year I'm going to break free from stagnation and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to go in and I'm going to possess the land that God has given me. And you're like, what are you talking about? You heard a sermon from Deuteronomy 1. It's about God telling Israel to move. It's about Israel. Is this application at the expense of interpretation? And then number three, fulfilling God's ordained purpose. God commands us to take possession of the land. Uh, God's command to take possession of the land is intricately tied to his ordained purpose for us. Just as the Israelites had a divine destiny to inhabit the promised land, God has a specific purpose for us and our our church. The purpose is not arbitrary, but part of God's plan for his people. We align ourselves with God's purpose by taking possession of the land. We actively participate in realizing his divine plan for our lives and our congregation. This purpose goes beyond individual growth. It extends to the impact we have in our community and the world at large. It's a call to to be agents of transformation, sharing God's love uh, and truth with others. In conclusion, God's command to take possession of the land is a call to action and faith. It requires sacrifice, trust, and a willingness to break free from stagnation. As a church, we can, we can step boldly into the future, fulfilling the purpose that God has ordained for us. Just as God delivered us from the bondage of sin, we can trust he will guide us to victory in our Christian lives and empower us to impact the world around us. It's a journey of faith and obedience that leads to the fulfillment of God's divine plan. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wow. What a sermon. I, I want you to go download this. I want you to go download it, right? This is from a Baptist Bible college. This is what they want to give everyone in 2024 to help you move forward. That is a complete example of what I've tried to yell about for I don't know how many years. That is a complete annihilation of the text. This is placing a sermon over the text. So you see the sermon and you don't see the text. Someone who just listened to that. Someone who does that study. And I'm like, did you study Deuteronomy uh, chapter one, verses one through six? Oh, yes, I did. And I know that I need to move forward and I need to put stagnation behind. I need to sacrifice and trust and I need to go in and take possession of what God has for me. And I'd be like, you, do, you did not study Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through six, because that has literally nothing to do with Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through six. You literally have placed something onto the text. You placed a sermon on the text, but you leave church thinking you got to you study the text. No, you've got a sermon. And when a sermon replaces the text, you got ripped off. Deuteronomy chapter one. I want you to look carefully because the text they gave us was verses one through six. This is the text they gave us, one through six. That's what they gave us. I want you to go download this. I want you to go down. It's free. Download it. I want you to use it. But I want you to work through Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through six on your own. All right. And and, and set aside the, 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 the thing you're going to download and then just really look at the text and go, what would you do with the text? How would you outline the text? What would you do with the text? If you were forced to like, you've got to study Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through six, and you've got to come up with a lesson, would it turn into what they gave it? They just imposed all kinds of allegorical story to it so that it would be practical to you. But is that the point of the story? This gives us 
where they're at, right? It gives us it gives us where they're at. In fact, like here, uh, my study Bible offers us this reference to this side of Jordan is from the perspective of one standing in Canaan to the west. The east side of the river was called Transjordan, even by those living there. Forty years had passed since Israel's exodus from Egypt through the journey, though the journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea was normally 11 days. So it's reminding you that, hey, this journey was only supposed to be 11 days, but they've not, they've been there 40 years because the very next verse, it says, uh, uh, it tells us, uh, tells us where they are, the plain over against the Red Sea, Paran, Tophel, Laban, uh, uh, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. The, there are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the 40th year and the 11th month on the first day of the month that Moses spake. So immediately this is giving you indication. Wait, 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 wait. This is an 11 day journey. It's in the 40th year. What are they doing? Well, then, you know, if you go back and read in Numbers and Exodus, you know, something bad happened. Well, we know that they sinned and they've been wandering around for 40 years. Okay. All right. We, 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 could, we could try to understand the location. We could try to understand, all right, what's caused the delay, or, or, or we could at least acknowledge the delay. We know that then uh, Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given and the commandments uh, commandment unto them. So now Moses is going to share with them God's word. And then he's doing this after he has slain Shihon, Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt at Ashtaroth, and Edrei. Edrei. Now, immediately I may want to figure out who these people are, what we know about these people, what information we do and don't have, because we have some, some victories that have occurred. Okay, we could try to understand what happened. And we may see that God has been faithful to them, even though they have been unfaithful. Now, that's first and foremost for Israel. Now, we can look at other scriptures that talk about God being faithful to us when we are unfaithful. There may be an application there. On this, and then it goes on, on this side of Jordan and the land of Moab began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord your God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mount. So they've been there, they've been there long enough, and now it's time for them to move. Okay, am I supposed to take something from that for me? I don't know if, I know that that's such, we, we have such a devotional way of looking at scripture, but I'm telling you, in many cases, it is imposing an entire narrative, an entire approach to scripture that is foreign to the actual words of scripture because we have to make sermons or we need devotionals. Now, I'm challenged right now that I want to work on Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and try to say, how would I actually approach the text? Now, my old way of preaching, I would be doing what they were doing. I would try to find a way to make this practical and come up with some points. Now, there there, there could be some points in there. I'm not saying there's, there aren't points there, but the points must directly come from the text, not imposed upon it. Their, their whole premise is that turning the entire situation into an allegory. Maybe, maybe it will work. Maybe it won't work. I don't know. I, I, I just want you to consider. So download. I want, to, I want you to download it and I want you to look at it and I want you to consider it. And I want you to just see how they approach the text. And just, and just if you listen to that, if that was a sermon, because I guarantee you this is probably an edited sermon from someone. If you heard that sermon, would you leave thinking you really understood Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6? Would you really tell everyone you actually heard a sermon on Deuteronomy 1, verses 1 through 6? Or would you hear that you heard an allegory imposed upon the text? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go download this. Now, remember how you download it? Go to I, the letter I. Baptist College, all run together, ibaptistcollege.org. A little box will pop up telling you your like January gift. 
And then it's you can it download. It's 13 lessons in Deuteronomy. You put your first name and your email. I don't get anything from this. This has nothing to do with me. This is just something that I received in an email and I'm taking advantage of it. I want you to take advantage of it. I want you to read it carefully because you'll probably read it better than I did. And I want you to just ask yourself, look, for many of you, you're going to be like, well, that just looks like a sermon I would hear in my church. And I'm like, that's the problem. (laughs) That's the whole problem. Because I think the whole sermon thing actually keeps you from the text. But I want you to work on Deuteronomy 1, verses 1 through 6. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look on the Sermons 2.0 app and try to find two or three sermons on Deuteronomy 1, verses 1 through 6, and see how most pastors approach the text. What they do with it. Do they fly through Deuteronomy 1 through 1 through 6 so quickly that they don't really deal with 1 through 6? Or do they actually deal with 1 through 6? Or, and even if they try to deal with it, do they inevitably go boom and then turn it into more application? And the application really arises from something being imposed on the text more than it being taken from the text. All right, there you have it. I want you to email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. After you look at this, I want you to tell me. Interpretation, application, what do you think? Love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Go meditate on it. I, I just, I don't see what they, what they imposed on this text. I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I know I'm going to get so many arguments. People are telling me, no, you just don't know how to handle scripture. You just don't see these things. And, and, and a lot of times when people hear sermons like this, they're like, pastor, I don't know how you found all of that stuff in that text because it wasn't in the text. It was imposed on it. It was imposed on it. Now, if you think it, no, it actually comes from the text, then okay, I just don't think it does. I think there's some lessons there that could be that could be taken from it, right? Why why is it if it's an 11-day journey, why is it 40 year? Why is it the 40th year? Oh, sin, okay. So, how does sin impact us? Now, then it impacted them in a very specific way. Now, if you think about it, sometimes we focus on the fact that it was 40 years. But if you remember, the 40 years was simply for an entire generation to die off. So really, it, does it not just reinforce the idea that the wages of sin is death? Right? Like, we could probably extrapolate some, some ideas, but they have to be more from the text. All right, I'll stop. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I hope this was somewhat beneficial. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful night. Do some meditation on Deuteronomy 1 through 6, and please use the Sermons 2.0 app for the Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge, and look up sermons on Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and listen and see how they approach the text. Remember, random. Don't look at the name of the church. Don't look at the denomination. Don't just random, and just listen to a couple. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.